Hi, I'm Kelsey, a mental health professional and outdoor enthusiast obsessed with helping stuck individuals live more authentically, heal their mental health, and play outside more. I'm a Midwest gal who grabbed a 60-liter backpack, laced up her hiking boots, and turned a quarter-life crisis into a quarter-life comeback. I teach you evidence-based ways to overcome the beliefs and behaviors that are holding you back. Not one for small talk, psychology, spirituality, and honest conversations about both the triumphs and tragedies of life are all topics you can expect on this show. So grab your headphones, get some fresh air, and prepare to ponder deep. Rooted in curiosity, resilience, and abundance, this is Evergreen Thinking. Welcome back to the podcast. This is a super special edition of the show. Today, you are listening to a live coaching session. I am stoked for this episode. You know, the work that I do, whether that is mental health counseling therapy or mental health coaching, it's highly confidential. In the counseling world, I am bound by HIPAA compliance as well as ethical and legal regulations set by my licensing board and professional organizations. And while coaching is very different and is not regulated in the same way at all, I carry the very same standard and ethics into my coaching care because I really do believe that it is best for the clients. However, this does make it challenging sometimes for me to really showcase or market what it is that I do beyond just uh, copywriting things that I hope people will connect with or explaining what I do. I don't really have that many opportunities to showcase or demonstrate what I do um, because of confidentiality. But I really want you to know what it might sound like and feel like to work with me. So I've had a handful of folks agree to do live coaching sessions with me for the purpose of the podcast. I hope that this really demonstrates for you what it might sound like and feel like to work with me. But first, I want to make sure that we are crystal clear and on the same page about a few things before you just dive right in as a fly on the wall here. First, please be clear that this is not therapy. This is not a live therapy session. Even though I am a therapist, in this container, I am not their therapist. I want you to understand that just as clearly as the participant understands that. The main difference here is that therapy is a clinical practice based upon a biopsychosocial, more medically based model. If this were counseling, I would have taken a very different approach, including a thorough history and assessment protocol before providing the care. In coaching, I meet you exactly where you are in the present moment with the context that is most relevant to the situation at hand. In therapy, we are often covering broad themes and seeking deep insight, and while this can be present in coaching, generally coaching is focused more on a specific problem or a specific issue, and we are overcoming a crux in order to keep moving forward. Whereas in counseling, we often are working through things like trauma or uh, learning how to manage or cure diagnoses. It's very, very different, even just in the types of issues that I would accept as a coaching um, 
client or versus a therapy client. You'll notice in this coaching session that I have sometimes um, given advice or like anecdotal wisdom based on my own lived experiences, and that is not really a part of the counseling process. So another huge difference. Cool. So in today's session, you are going to be listening in on a coaching call with Sarah Gardner, who is a small service-based business owner in Indiana. Sarah's business is called Immersive Sound Experiences, where Sarah offers sound bathing, which is a passive meditation practice that utilizes these really beautiful sounds from chimes and glass singing bowls to help participants ease into a calm state literally shifting your brain waves and activating the parasympathetic nervous system. While Sarah and I have discussed business as peers before, this was our first time doing coaching together. Sarah came in with some creativity blocks and uncertainty about how to make her business financially sustainable uh, coming up on about three years. She was also experiencing some mindset blocks such as perfectionism, being hard on herself, and some icky feelings about selling a service due to this um, values-based dissonance between wanting to sell a valuable service while also having a social justice heart for making this modality more accessible. Something that came to light was some of the assets that Sarah has but maybe hasn't been utilizing to their full potential, and we explored why that might be. My goal with Sarah was to ask questions that would spark some of that creativity back empower her to be innovative and explore new angles of her biz and uplift and encourage her that she has more resources and capability within than she might feel right now and to help challenge some of her mindsets around selling. One of my core coaching philosophies is that every individual, every individual has exactly the resources that they need within themselves if given the right support to uncover it. So consider me the excavator of your potential. (laughs) I think this episode will be relatable to many people, especially if you're listening and are business-minded or are a helping professional, or if you're curious about what a coaching session might feel like with me. This episode is minimally edited per usual so that you can really get a feel for the cadence and real humans stuttering and real-time contemplating that we'll both experience as we work together. This is real life, y'all. So let's dig in. Would you be able to just describe for me a little bit of, you know, why you signed up and how I can support you? Because I know it was a couple weeks ago, too. So um, you can just like catch me up to speed. Yeah. I was super excited for this, too. So thank you for, you know, making this offering available because I've been wanting to work with you in this capacity since you started offering these. But so... Um, my name is Sarah Gardner. I own a small business called Immersive Sound Experiences, which crazy enough, I'm a, I'm going to have my third year anniversary in September. So we are coming up on three years very quickly. And, um, if you do the, like go back in the timeline, yes, it was September, 2020 when I started my business. So like just deep in the midst of the pandemic. And so for a company that was born in a pandemic with all of these restrictions and whatnot, I didn't have an opportunity to be very creative in my offerings. And 
I also don't have my own physical space. And so I am somewhat at the mercy of my studio partners in terms of what I am offering. Um, and so I just kind of feel like I'm in a little bit of a rut right now. Like I, for three years, I've just been offering these restorative immersive sound experiences at yoga studios and in other people's spaces. Um, and I have, I shouldn't say that, like I've expanded my business quite a bit. I work with a lot of companies and I work with schools, but if I'm being honest with you, like it still feels like a struggle to make ends meet every month. And I'm just like this, I've worked so hard for three years. Like I, I, this needs to feel more sustainable than it is. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That is like, that is the song of the, the entrepreneur. I feel like is how do we make this sustainable? <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. Oh. Okay. So remind me because you kind of, okay, this summer you kind of started like having this new offering with the workshops. I'm like really curious about that. Mm -hmm. But so, um, aside from that, your primary offering has been the sound baths in like yoga studios or gyms and spaces like that. And then, so yeah, what are like outline for me, your different offerings? Yes. So, and I just redid my website with, you know, which it's a, it's like sort of an aspirational website. It, what it looks like I do, I don't necessarily quite do yet, but it's what I want to be doing. But so my most high value clients are my corporate clients. Like they're the people who pay my full rate. Like they don't blink an eye. Um, and so that's really like, and also that's where I come from. I worked at IBM. I sold software for years. And so I'm like intimately familiar with that work environment and that stress level and just the whole thing. And I see how needed what I do is in those spaces. And so that's, it's been easy to kind of focus there. But beyond that, another place where I've found incredible success is in the school systems. Mm -hmm. There is millions and millions of dollars of mental health grant money available. And so I kind of have a little niche. I work with the, the IDOE and got into like, I'm in like seven different school districts right now. Um, and then beyond that, um, what I, what I aspire to be doing is actually traveling to facilitate like retreats for executive level, um, you know, for companies like sales, like large companies that spend a lot of money investing in their executive teams. Mm -hmm. I really want to be facilitating those events. Um, so that is the goal. Um, I have yet to do one of those yet. Yes. Um, yeah, but that is the goal. That's the goal. And yeah. I do, and I will say this, like I very, I'm a little bit torn when I say this because my whole goal of like doing what I do is making my modality more accessible. But, and also if I'm looking for a way for this to be sustainable for me, I don't really want to be doing these studio classes anymore. Right. Like they're on Sunday nights. They're, they take my nights, they take my weekends They're It's just, and I enjoy them, but it's just like not really what I want to be doing anymore. Totally. Yeah. It's like, well, and that's probably not the most sustainable avenue. <laughs> yeah. For like your well-being as a human. Um, okay. So one thing I wanted to ask you is like, 
okay, whether it is um, a corporate experience or like wherever the experience is, well, and actually your answer to this might even be different based on the context. But let's say that someone takes your, they participate in one of your sound experiences. What is your hope like for that individual like what would they do next? So maybe it's like their first time ever experiencing something like this and then they go home. Like what would be next for that human? Can you be more specific? Like when you say what's next, like that night or like, like, and also in terms of interacting with me or just in their life separate from me? Yeah, I think, so let's start with like separate from you, because then I think that might bring us back to like how you can then be a part of that next step. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm kind of thinking like maybe, um, okay, this is this is a personal example. So I I know that whenever I first experienced one of one of your immersions, um, shortly after that, I I was working with a a business coach or a sound healer, or, oh my gosh, I was working with an energy healer who was my business coach. And she was really into using binaural beats whenever we would do energy healing. And so between learning about sound from your very unique experience, and then learning about it from her perspective, I was like, okay, there's something to this sound stuff. So now if I'm working on like a project really intently, a lot of times I'll play binaural beats in the background. Mm -hmm. So that was like, that was kind of a next step for me of how I kind of took what I experienced with you and with her and like took a next step. Mm -hmm. But so I guess I'm, yeah, I'm wondering like if someone is maybe new to this modality or new to this experience, what would ideally be like next for them? I mean, my hope would be very much like your experience where the person goes home and they feel so good that they're just like, what just happened? I want to know more about this. I want to learn about this. And that was my experience. Yeah. And um, with my new website, I have a page called the science of sound where people can finally go and like actually see the different brainwave states that they are cycling through during a sound bath and like physiologically what is happening to them. Um, which prior to me building that, like I, I had to go all over the internet to like find this information and like collect it and put it together. And, but I just think it's really important. Like we, as much as I am a woo woo person and I'm a Pisces and like, I love magic and I don't need an explanation for everything we live in a day of data we live in a day of of like people wanting evidence-based modalities Um, and so and and this is that um so much more than that and so my hope would be that like yes they would go home and they would get interested and like ideally they get on my website and like they look at at you know, what they can learn there and and whatnot. And I have other resources available for people to, you know, start going down that journey of like, you know, what does my sound journey look like? How far do I want to take this? And how, how much do I want to incorporate this modality into my life? Yeah, I love that. And I, I looked at that page of your website and it's so good. Like, 
I, it really, I mean, <laughs> I love it. I, I'm very proud of how that one turned out. I think I'm so happy. Yeah, you should be. It's so, it's so good. Um, yeah, it like, it just, it makes sense. Like, I feel like you laid it out in a way that it's like, it's the science, but like someone can read it and understand it. And yeah, it's like really powerful. Um, okay. So one of the reasons why I asked that question is because I'm wondering if like, okay, well, there's two things. When we think about like a sustainability point, I'm kind of wondering about like, I guess this idea of like uh, retention for you, like client retention kind of. Okay. Thank you. I was wondering where you were going with this. And this is a huge roadblock for me is that when I work with the studios, they are gatekeepers. I have no access to my participants. I can't send them reviews. I can't send them like a follow-up saying, thank you for coming. I have no contact with them because the studios own the entire registration process. They own the payments, they own everything, which was intentional because I don't want to be doing that. Yeah. But I do need that data. Yeah, for sure. Like someone's email address is like the most valuable thing that you can have. Well, and finally, like with North Mass, they give me the, I made that contingent. I said, if you want me to keep doing this, like you have to give me the email addresses, but I'm not in that position with like all of my studios. Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, Okay. Cause so, so here's what I'm, here's something that I'm thinking. And so Right now I'm thinking about this at the studio level, but I think that this could be applicable to like the corporate levels too. Mm. But um, is thinking about how you can be a part of their next step journey. So, you know, whether that's like, how do we increase the incentive for them to come again? Or like, how do we, um, how is there, I'm almost thinking of like a secondary offer of some sort that they would do after they've been introduced to you. Okay. Um, so, and I'm sure like, so on one level this, I'm imagining this is happening where like someone comes to one of your experiences and then they follow you on Instagram. Um, but so now it's just thinking about, okay, what if we made this like a little bit of like a bigger scale type of thing? I have, to, I'm well, and I will say too, I'm pretty proud of my email list despite not having access. I have like 600 addresses. That's so good. Yeah. And I don't utilize, like, and I have really high open rates and I have high click-through rates and I just like never send emails. But I started doing that because one of my friends had like, 50,000 Instagram followers and her whole business was run through there. And then she got kicked out of her account and she never got back in. And that was such like a cautionary tale for me. And I was like, I'm putting way too much energy into my Instagram and it, it's gotta be coming from somewhere else. Yeah. That's, I'm so glad that you're doing that. Cause yeah, I think a lot of people are starting to have that realization. Like, it's the way I've heard it explained is like Instagram is rental property and your email list is like your mortgage. Like (laughs) totally, totally. I mean, we like Instagram has 
exactly zero customer service. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, okay. So what is your, what is maybe like a barrier for you of really like using that, um, that email list? That's a really good question. And it's something I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about if I'm being honest with you. And I, I think it is a symptom of a much bigger problem, which is I'm having a really hard time like not compartmentalizing myself as a small business owner. And so when I send an email, like I'm very inclined to like it, it only have to do with like my upcoming classes and my offer. And, and it's very hard for me to just like be me. Cause I think I have to be business owner, Sarah, rather than just like multi-dimensional, multifaceted person who owns a business and is emailing you. Yeah. And it, so it's just really, it like feels uncomfortable for me if I'm, and I'm being honest and like, I have a degree in journalism. Like I love to write and I love to communicate. And it's been so frustrating for me to not be able to like connect these dots of like this skill that I have with like the ability to, you know, be growing my business and just not using it. Yeah. It's okay. You know, what just came to my mind. So, so this is something we've talked about before, how like, um, you've had many moments or like at the end of a, a session, you know, you are like flocked by people cause they want to be your friend. Right. The email list is like, that's the way for people to quote, quote, be your friend. Sarah. Totally. Totally. <laughs> totally. Well, and I, and it's crazy too. Cause I have started, like I follow a bunch of local small business owners who do a great job with their email list. And I like save them all as like, I'm like, con I save them away in this folder for content. And then I, so I have all these aspirations and then I just never do. Yeah. Do you think it's cause you're like putting a lot of pressure on it? I mean, I think this is just my general nature and I'll only say this because you will sort of understand it, but like, Saturn is three degrees from my son. Yeah. You haven't met anyone that's harder on themselves than I am. Mm -hmm. Yes. And there's definitely that. Like, it's definitely perfectionism is, is a part of it. For sure. Yeah. And that's like, oh, it's so hard. Um, I'm wondering, like, how I... I'm wondering what would make showing up in someone's email box for you feel like more fun, like just feel lighter and less pressure. Um, and I also don't know. So this is something I've experienced before. And if this doesn't resonate, like that's okay. Tell me this doesn't resonate when it comes to my email box. Something that has been a barrier for me before is I know what it feels like to get all these spammy emails and like, it's annoying. And I'm just like, delete, delete, delete. And so then I kind of project that like, well, I don't want to, like, if you get my email, I don't want you to feel that way. I totally <laughs> respect the sanctity, like of, 
someone's inbox. Yes. Like I just don't, I don't want to be just like sending shit to send. Never. I never want people to feel that way. I mean, I send like three emails a year right now. Like it's not overkill, but that's exactly (laughs) what it is. Like it's not, it's this like, I'm scared. Yeah. Like energy. Yes. Okay. So like, think about this. Like if you, okay, if you were to send an email tomorrow and maybe, you know, you have like, Hey, I'm Sarah. Um, this is something that you might not know about me. This, and these are some of the events I'm looking forward to. Um, just want to remind you that like the ball is in your court and you always have permission to opt out of my emails. Like, I know that you would word that like so eloquently, but like you always have permission Okay, now tell me, like, worst case scenario is someone opts out, right? Yes, yes. And I did that on my last one. And I will tell you, like, someone, a good friend opted out. And I was so, like, can, can I cuss on your podcast? You can cuss. Oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> but I was like, what the fuck? Like, I haven't sent you an email in a year. Like, I'm announcing, like, this re- huge rebrand. And it was, it was like, it stung a little bit. Yeah, it does. It's like, it does sting. Then you also think like, is she, if she, or I'm assuming it's a girl, um, if they opted out, there's a good chance that they were probably never going to buy from you anyways. I'm not trying to be a contrarian. It was a man and it was a person who has spent more money with me than anyone else. What? That I like bought an insane set of singing bowls for me. Interesting. Exactly. See, we don't even, this is like a bad, it's, it's a bad example because we could, <laughs> we could pick it apart all day, but. But, okay. So that was one. Did you have any other unsubscribers? Yeah, but I didn't know any of them. So it was like, whatever, mm. like, I don't even know who you, I think it was, I had like six out of, you know, 600. Yeah, yeah. Okay, it which is still like, yes. And those people, um, well, yeah, we can, we can assume, you know, why they may be un, unsubscribed. But um, it also like, I guess one thing that you can notice the difference between those people and, and that person is like the level of, um, attachment or like detachment. Mm -hmm. Um, and like, yeah, I feel that sometimes cause my, well, I'll tell you, my email list is not even like a quarter of the size of your email list, but so, but because of that, I do like know like a majority of the people on my email list. Mm-hmm. And so I think that I would feel that way too if there was, you know, an unsubscribe and I'm like, oh, I'm going to see you next week. Exactly. When it, it begs the – when it happened, I was like, so do all these small business owners just hire someone to do their email for them so they don't have to, like, see this shit? <laughs> yes. Yes. But I've, like – this is, like, a a little bit of, like, a, a shift that I've gone through with, like, I've gone through this mostly with my Instagram kind of where I recently just, I kind of decided like, 
Okay, whether you are like my friend from high school or someone I know from indie or like whoever you are, if you're following me, you have to understand that I'm using this for my work and part of my work is to sell. And kind of same thing with your email or with your, you know, social media or wherever, like if someone is willingly giving you their address, just like if you give your address to like Adidas or something, um, like, okay, maybe you put it in there initially because you wanted the coupon, but you knew, you knew that they were going to continue selling to you. But you did it because either that coupon was worth it or because you like Adidas enough to let them take up real estate. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, that's a beautiful example. And it, and I think you just touched on something really important. And that is, I think the, the biggest picture here, which is I still have not entered into a space where I am comfortable actually hard selling what I do because of the nature of it. Mm -hmm. Cause for some people it's still really woo woo. And for me, like for me, it is like sacred. It is so sacred. And so it, and that go, pushes up against like everything that I, you know, I, I'm really good at sales. Like yeah. I, that's what I used to do. And yet again, like I, and I have all of these tools at my disposal that I'm just like not using to sell what I do because I think it is distasteful totally sell what I do oh my gosh yeah um that is like the heart cry of I think like a helping professional and I would consider you a helping professional um because it feels at moments like you're monopolizing on people's pain yes yes and I mean and I am I know you can relate to this in that like I very much I never want to like alienate anyone and I very much feel like all the things that everyone is feeling I don't know where I'm going with that tangent right now but it makes it just makes it very hard because I know that people are generally like in a vulnerable place yeah and I never want to take advantage of that. Yeah. Which I think is what like makes you really special. <laughs> and broke. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Well, I think like maybe, okay, tell me what you think about this. I think what might be helpful is reframing what it is that you're selling in a way like for you in your mindset, like ultimately, like you said, I know that you do have very good sales skills um, and you have like a very good product or service. Like, so those things are, are true. So I think for you, like some of what will come up is the, like the way it feels for you to do those things. And so maybe even, just this idea of like, all right, I've got 600 people that I'm pitching to, let's just say, and maybe to 
559 of them, this comes off as a cringy, salesy, you know, like, wow, what are you doing? Like, who are you to be selling this? But then there's that one person that is, you know, they open, they read, they're like, this is exactly, I think, what I might need. And like, they are able to, you know, experience something really healing and helpful and valuable to them. And, and like the ripple effect from that person. And so knowing like, I'm not selling, I think this is a challenge too, is when as a business owner, when you're in this place where it feels like desperate, but you don't want it to sound desperate. Yes. I think when you, yeah. And I, I know that feeling and it like sucks. It's like the ickiest, icky feeling. Um, But like, if you, I'm trying to think like, if you can visualize it that way of like, you know what, I'm not desperately selling to the masses. I'm, I'm pitching to that one person who like this would like really serve well the former version of me yeah even visualizing her like almost making her your like your little avatar that when you sit down and you write copy or you you know start creating this reel or whatever it is like any kind of marketing tool that you have like her in your mind and thinking like, okay, if this just reaches her. And I could do that because like, that's real. Like years ago, I read that quote that was like, become the person that you needed. And like, I already did the hard part. I did that. Yeah. But now I just need to like (laughs) start using it. Dude, yeah, it's like, yeah, you became the person you needed, but that other person is still waiting for her to show up, kind of. Totally. <laughs> Y'all just, like, haven't met yet. Yeah. Yeah, I can do that. I can I can talk to her. You could, you could totally do that. But how does that, like, do you think that, does that help that a little bit? Like, does that speak to that, like, salesy, yucky piece? It does. It does. And I do also think that like a big part of this is just a general like creativity block. Um, Like I, the last few years have just been hard. Like I got laid off and then I had no unemployment coming in and like I've moved multiple times in the last few years and the pandemic and whatnot. And I, I'm not being hard on myself for like, whatever the effects of all of that have been. But one of them is like, I don't even know how to like communicate this thing that I do to these other people because I'm so close to it. And, and I also sort of default to this weird frame of thinking where I just assume that everyone knows all of the things that I know. Mm Mm-hmm. And so like, it just, it's all these compounding things that like at the end, like I, during the day I get 10 different ideas of things I could post. And then when it comes to it, I'm like, I've dismissed them all for one reason or another. Yes. Oh my gosh. You like, you need the messy action. (laughs) 
So like do like let in one rip, just let it rip. But you know what you, okay. This is something that I think I heard this from. It was either Jenna Kutcher or Amy Porterfield. They're best friends in business. And I don't know which one of them said this, but they talk about like the 10% edge and that like a lot of times we think we need to be like an expert at explaining something. And I could imagine that you've maybe feel that way because there is a lot of, you know, like neuroscience and, and like that is a big part of like the justification for the work that you do or like the validity of the work that you do. But they, she just talks about this 10% edge is like, you only need to have 10% more knowledge than someone else to be able to like make a difference in like what you're sharing with them. And so um, even thinking through like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is so goofy, but I um, have had a client before who was a medical doctor. And with a lot of my clients, when I first start to meet with them, I am in the therapy setting. I like draw out the brain and I just do a quick little psychoeducation about the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex, like very basic brain science. Cause I want to make sure anyone I'm working with knows that. And when I had this medical doctor as a client, I was really in my head about it and was like, I bet I don't want to draw the brain for this woman who like (laughs) (laughs) knows the brain so much more intimately than I do. Yes. And she's literally like, she's a genius. Like she's so smart, but I drew it for her anyways. And, you know, I dressed it up a little bit more as like, you probably know this better than me, whatever. But like, we laughed about it and I drew it out with her and like, at, at the worst, it was like a review um, but at best, and this actually happened, like there was one component about the way those parts of the brain interact with each other that she didn't know. And like, she, literally she's a medical doctor. Like she knows a million things about the body, but like, this is my specialty. And so same for you. Like I know a lot about the brain, but I swear you've taught me things about the brain before that I didn't know. Like, um, I'd like hundred percent for a fact you've done that for me. And so, um, yeah, I think like almost like stepping back and like evaluating your role kind of. And I love that. And I love that we're here in this place right now too. And I will be honest with you and it almost feels a little vulnerable to admit this, but like I had been playing with the idea of starting a business of this nature almost as soon as I had my first sound bath because I was just like, there's not a regulating body. There's no, like, there's no governing body here. There's no, there isn't a certification system. There are no rules there. It's just sound. Like it's just sound and you don't have to know things or do things in a specific way to use it effectively. And so I knew that very quickly I could become an quote unquote expert in this field just because most people haven't even heard of it. (laughs) And so again, it's like there was this impetus when I started doing this and I'm so like, I'm just 
so disconnected from it where like when I started, I knew that I didn't have to know that much. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, I just, okay. This would be like one of my like homework assignments for you. And I know that this is, you'll know where I'm going with this. And I know that this will feel, this might feel hokey and like cheesy, but I seriously feel like for you, because a lot of this is coming back to like how it's going to feel for you to be doing this is like you wake up in the morning and it's like, I am Sarah Gardner. I am the sound gardener. Like I am the expert in sound. I don't know. Sound art, sound science. I don't know what you really refer to it as. Um, That's the other part too. Like, there's unlimited potential here because I have decided to go this very secular route of immersive sound experiences. And like, I have this huge vision of like trademarking immersive sound experiences and franchising it because it's not secular and there isn't a training system and there isn't like, I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you can. So I'm almost, it almost sounds like, because it's so like the potential is so unlimited. It's like really overwhelming and like freezing you. 100%. And I will say too, like the timing of this is, I mean, it always, you know, we had to push it back, but like it always works out because this week, like I'm finally having a meeting with like a, a an invest, an investment guy, like who knows how to raise money and he, like, in a lot of different ways. And, and, and it's someone who cares about me. So he's invested in seeing, you know, like how this could go, but like manifesting a physical space and, you know, what that could look like and grow into and be replicated. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's like, that's so, that's so exciting. Um, so yeah, I think like maybe, maybe what would be helpful and you've maybe done this before. Um, but like with some of these insights in mind, like maybe you you have like some different sticky notes or something. And one sticky note is this like grander vision of like, yeah, trademarking, training, certification, like franchising, all of that. And then there's another sticky note that is kind of like the phase prior to that. And then however many, I'm envisioning three sticky notes maybe. Um, And so I feel like maybe the sticky note that you can really be working with like in the present is um, really like experimenting a little bit more with like what sticks and what doesn't. And I know that's scary because that can kind of cost like time and energy and like, um, you know, if something doesn't stick and it isn't as profitable. Um, but then, you know, right. So that later when you do go to like scale and involve others, you, you already kind of know what works and what doesn't work. Yes. Um, This is perfect too. Cause I've been like, okay, I have this huge vision, like, but what comes before that vision? And I think it's a physical space that like, isn't a new build. It's, you know, like maybe renting a space for a few years and, experimenting with that and seeing how profitable that situation can be. Yeah. Well, like, I would really love for you to like, 
well, this is what I would love for you. Um, it doesn't really matter what I would love for you. I think it would be really interesting kind of thinking again, like I'm kind of bringing this question back up again, but like after someone has an experience with you, like what do they do next? Because like from a retention standpoint, but also from maybe more of like a passive or like additional offer scale for you. So like, you know, maybe, okay, I'm just thinking out loud, but like maybe someone comes to one of your experiences for the first time, they're super stoked on it and they want to learn, okay, maybe I only have, like maybe they came from far away. And so they're like, I only have once a month or once a quarter that I could come do this with Sarah. How can I implement this into my everyday life? For you, and this is where you're kind of putting yourself back in their shoes again. Because for you, you're like, well, you know, um, get your own bowl. Or maybe there's like a Spotify playlist or like, like you are already aware and like, you have the insight of how to implement this into everyday life, but that mm-hmm. person might not. Mm-hmm. And so you have this, it's literally like a, I don't know, like a, a workbook or a, you know, like 45 minute online course or like masterclass that's already, you record it once it's done. Um, and it's, you know, like, 30 bucks, 50 bucks, however much, whatever scale you kind of want to make it. And it kind of teaches them like how to implement this into their own life. Um, that could I be love like, that idea. Yeah. And I feel yeah. like you would be great at that. Cause like you're, you're really great at educating. Um, you know, like I'm thinking, I'm thinking back to your experience in like the CBD world, like a huge part of your job was to like, educate people on like how that interacts with your, your system. And, mm-hmm. but it doesn't even have to be that like high level sciencey. It really can be like, here are some ways to engage with healing sound in your everyday life as like a normie human. And- <laughs> <laughs> I love that. I think that's a brilliant idea. You could, I feel like you could knock something like that out. Like, relatively like seamlessly like because I think you already kind of people already ask you this stuff yeah yeah I have the talk track down you have it yeah um you know like using one of your beautiful spaces um yeah something else I was wondering about I like jotted down a couple notes because I was like really excited um and of course I like can't read my handwriting. <laughs> oh, um, I, I feel like we've maybe chatted about this before. I'm curious where you are with it in terms of like recording what you do. Yeah. So again, like I just got to be honest. I, there's still like an aversion to just the digital space for me, which I realize is so ridiculous in light of like our post COVID world. Um, but, and I will say at this point, like 
I've, I have recorded, I got in a really nice studio. It's expensive. Like it's expensive. And if I'm not monetizing it, like it just doesn't really make a lot of sense. And so like the first time I got in the studio, I was there for two hours. And so I had to pay for that session. And then a second, like an editing session. And I ended up with a nine minute clip and an 18 minute clip. And it's just like, what am I like? How how can I justify these two pieces of content and how much it costs me to make them? Like, and do you know what I mean? Like, it was just so I was super excited about it. But anyway, I digress from that to say I have been thinking through that, and I think the more sustainable direction for recording is actually just meditate. Like my voice is just meditations um, with my voice because that, and I don't mean to sound any type of way when I say this, but I actually get more feedback from people about my voice than I do about anything else. Yeah. Well, I mean, honestly, that's not surprising to me because I mean, having like taken your, your sound bath before, yeah, you have like, you have a really good, like meditative voice. Yeah. And I can just do that at home. Like I don't need to, you know, pay a bunch of money to get in a studio to do that. So Oh my gosh. Do your like your MacBook Pro speakers and garage band. It's like perfect. Kels, I <laughs> downloaded the same program, Final Cut Pro, that I used in college when for like my broadcast journalism packages. Oh. And I have been making reels in it. Oh, I love that. I still remember how to use it and I'm having so much fun. Oh my gosh. See, and you, you have the knowledge of how to use those tools too. Like, yeah. But so that could be an interesting, like, I'm thinking I could just see some of these things like building on each other after the experience. Like I'm really, in my mind, I see it as, someone comes because people do when they come to your experiences they instantly fall in love with it like they love it and they either you know they want to come back or they or they're just really impacted by it but they don't know what to do next and I think like that is where like you can provide those things for purchase like totally for purchase and Mm -hmm. um you know like they that's how people can take their next steps. And so it's still being facilitated like through your brand and like you are still like, it's your expertise. They already came to like, like you and trust you through the experience itself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm almost wondering too, like if there is a, so at these, like, at the gym ones or the yoga studio ones, if there's a barrier for you to, like, be able to get their email addresses, I'm almost imagining, like, okay, you know, in college when people would have, like, research fairs and they have those big posters of, like, mm-hmm. here's what my dissertation thing was about. Um, I'm almost envisioning something, like, that big that you get to bring in with you. And it has like your QR code, your like something really like big and um, just really like enticing for them to like take that next step. Um, 
to like so offer. I did play around with that. Yeah. It wasn't huge. It was just like an eight and a half by 12 that I put in like a standing frame and it had the QR code and it was like, sign up for my email list. Um, and no one did it. And so now it's like, there's gotta be like some sort of like incentive or. What if it's like not so much sign up for my email list, but it's like something and I'm just like spitballing out loud, but something like. I do have a resource I want to provide people with that would be a good free one, which is just like post sound bath care. Cause like some people are a little like, you know, dysregulated after that. I think that's like, I think that's genius. Um, Cause yeah, for some people that is like the first time they've ever experienced anything like that. It can be a little trippy or like, um, yeah. So like that's, yeah, I almost say framing it as like next steps. And there's, you know, maybe there's, this is just how my brain's visualizing this. It's like a trifold thing. And like one is like, um, how do I, it's almost like, you know, was this your very first sound bath? Here is your next step. It's that freebie, um, which opts them into your email and you can do that in a consensual way. Like, uh, you know, it'll be, you'll, you'll do that in a consensual way. And then maybe the middle, middle of the trifold is like, you know, if you're wanting to implement this practice into your everyday life, like here's a QR code and it maybe links to like one of those little courses or, or something. Um, And then maybe there's another one that is kind of your like, did you know I do corporate, you know, things too or something? So almost it's like all of those QR codes ultimately would opt people into your email. And, but then it also does give them like the next step. And so like, it's like valuable each way to them. Yeah. Which has been, I mean, it's sometimes it's like a little overwhelming to me how much people love what I do and and the fact that I'm not like able to capitalize on additional revenue from these people has been so frustrating. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, for sure. That like that would be frustrating because it's because they do. People do love it. Like, you know, you've been voted like Indianapolis best of like <laughs> the person who wrote that has never been to a sound bath. So <laughs> <laughs> but hey it's take that take that accolade yeah, um, I will, I will. <laughs> he's come at this point but when she wrote it she had never been that's so funny <laughs> oh my gosh but yeah I think like I feel like the theme that kind of a lot of this boils down to is kind of reframing the way you think of it is like Cause I think this is like what, where your heart is at, but it, sometimes this gets lost in like the practicality of business. But so like, it kind of boils down to this, like, how do I serve people with this? And like, ultimately like selling is serving. Like if someone would benefit from this, like me selling it to them is the only way they're gonna, like, it's the only way, like, People are not going to, um, like, further their, like, sound healing journey from anywhere else. Like, it's going to come from you. 
and not in like a pressure way, but just in like a, wow, like how can I serve them? And so then when you think about like the, your copy or your next step materials, it's, it's like less of like, Hey, I have an email list. Would you please join it? And it's like, Hey, if you need a next step, here's where you can get it. And like, this is the, the currency that you can exchange that for. I love that. I love that a lot. And I think you're right. Like it's the, this whole thing, the whole thing of me being like a small business owner entering year three is just a big old reframe. Yeah. But I think like you, you, you definitely have like the level of insight to be able to do that. Like the reframe. Think so too. Yeah. yeah. Okay. What else is it? I, <laughs> anything else like come up from all of that? I was really interested to see just because I know you have had <clears throat> such energy for your own digital offerings. Yeah. Um, and so I was interested just to see what you might have to say from that standpoint, like in terms of, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like recurring revenue streams that passive revenue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. So I've really like, I'm in a season where I've been deprioritizing that a little bit, like it's still out there in the world, but I've not really been talking about it much. Every once in a while, I just add it to like the footer of something. Um, and definitely like, if you're not talking about it, it doesn't do anything. Um, I can like hundred percent say that from, from experience and just kind of watching that happen. Um, and it's what I've heard from like other peers too, but what I have started thinking about is how I want to reframe those things too. Um, and like what I can say about recurring stuff is like with the, um, with coaching, with like starting coaching, it's been really cool because, um, a lot of like people who they, I've never used this term, but they like other people organically use it. If they graduate, I'm like using air quotes, but if they like graduate from uh, therapy but they still want some kind of ongoing support, then they'd start coaching, which I'm like, I'm cool with that. Like, and if, you know, we're on the same page clinically and everything like, um, but so, but I bring that up to say, even though it's not the passive stuff, but to say that like, that's where people have seen what's my next step, even in, in the context of like the offerings that I have. Mm-hmm which is like interesting or like um, sometime like maybe someone does like a one-time coaching container with me, but then one of the themes that comes up out of that is that like boundaries, because a lot of times boundaries is like a theme that comes up with the people I'm coaching. And so maybe they, you know, they just do a couple coaching sessions, but then at, because that has been such a recurring theme, then they'll take my boundaries course. Okay. 
So it's like, I feel like people's minds, like we're always like as humans, we're always thinking about like the next step and like, well, when this is over, what's next? Or like, if I liked this, how can I get more of it? So that's like what I would really think about for what you offer is like, people do love it. How can they get more of it beyond just coming back every Sunday night? Um, because you also have like, I'm thinking from a numbers standpoint, the amount of people that have experienced your offerings, if every single one of those people were to want to do it again, like there wouldn't be enough of you to do that. And, and you bring up a, a, we're go this is a direction I did want to go in, which is like, at this point, my rate, like, is very high. Um, and there's a lot of, like, nonprofits and schools that I want to work with, but from a price point standpoint, just isn't feasible. And that's where like my training program comes in where, cause what I get more often than anything from people is like, is there a training you recommend? And I'm always like, no, you don't need that. Like just buy a set of bowls and start doing it. And I've gradually come to this place of like, no, but they, they do need that. And, and maybe it's not the kind of training that you are envisioning, which is totally structured and formal. And there's a definite right way and wrong way to do things. But like you can create something that is a launching pad to give people the confidence to do this. And then you can also, because you have developed this sales funnel, start outsourcing them. Whereas, you know, maybe these nonprofits can't afford you, but they could afford one of your people. And so then I'm paying people a really solid rate and I'm still making money off of it too. Yeah. Yeah. I think that is like a, a beautiful framework to think about. And because it's not like so regulated, like you can kind of be the regulating body in a way. Like if they want to, if they want to align themselves with immersive sound experiences, they exactly. do like your regimen and yeah. Exactly. And I think, oh, go ahead. Well, and it just takes so much pressure off of everything just to like start off by saying like, yes, this is a training, but this is not the right way or the only way. Like this is just the way I do it. And it was the way that you fell in love with. So maybe there's something there. <laughs> yeah. And what, like what you could maybe even have, like, I don't know, you could almost have tears to it. So I know someone that like, which, okay, this is a whole rabbit hole we could go down, but someone with the way that they they structure um, an energy healing certification that they do, where there's like one level of it is you learn how to kind of do this for yourself. Maybe mm. that is like a, um, a less expensive level of investment. It's like a shorter um, experience, but mm -hmm. people just who, you know, there are some people in the world who learn differently than like, like people learn differently. So they, they maybe want you to walk them through, like, here's four different patterns that you can do or whatever. But then, and like those very basic, like, here's how to set an intention for your time or like all that stuff. But then there's like the next level of people who they learn how to like, so for like in the energy healing one, it's like you learn how to do it on yourself and then you learn how to do it for other people. So like for years, you can learn how to do this for yourself 
And then if you want a more intense training of how to facilitate a class, then you can take this training. And then if you complete that, then that makes you immersive sound experiences certified. And then you could start to work with me if you want or something. Yeah, no, I think, I think that makes a ton of sense. And I can, and it's crazy because I can already think of like 10 people who would, who come to every class I host and who would sign up for that like initial training in a heartbeat if I had it. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's like, you, you know, if you look at the data, okay, you know that people love your offering and people love you. Like people love your offering and people like want to come at the end of your classes and be your friend. And you're having to like set all these boundaries. Like this is a way, obviously you're not selling it as like, here's how you can be my friend. But it really is like, if you enjoy doing, like if you enjoy me as a practitioner and you would like the opportunity to spend more time with me and like this modality, here is an avenue that you can do that. And it's so critical to have that. It is because you're right. Like, it's not like I'm saying paid paid to be my friend, but like I've given so much free time over coffee and walking and to all of these people just because like, I'm happy to talk about it, but, and also like it reached a point where that I just feel drained and like resentful. And so, yeah, I think that makes a ton of sense. Okay, so I want to know, like, we talked about a lot, and um, I know that, like, a lot of this is stuff that you have, you've thought of before, too. Like, a lot of this is not, like, brand new, but um, I think one thing I'm always interested in knowing is, like, okay, this is all, like, sounds good and dandy, but, like, when I turn off this camera, like, how, what am I going to do with all of this? Mm -hmm. And I don't, you know, I don't have any big expectations of you or anything like that, but like, I'm curious just so that it can feel a little bit more tangible. If you like, what kind of sticks out for you um, that might be like a good kind of next, next step or next pondering? Yeah. And I think there are a couple and thank you for asking this and like holding me accountable. I appreciate it. Um, But I think one of them is definitely doing like the posted exercise where it's like, here's my big grand vision for the future. And then kind of walking backwards from that, like, how do we get here? And then also just, you know, starting to sort of chart out what a um, free off, like a free post sound bath care guide looks like, but then also something that is paid as well to help people, you know, just, just sort of creating an outline for that. I love that. Yeah. And like, yeah. And with all of those things, keeping in mind, like I only need to offer 10%, 10% like new value for people. And just because something seems obvious for me doesn't mean that, like, it's not for them. Because people well, at, the, at the end of the day, like, it's not. Like, the I, I have the most obscure information in my head, and I'm doing everyone a disservice by, like, just thinking that everyone else knows it because they don't. 
Oh my gosh. But yeah, it's, it's like so funny that we do that. Um, it's so funny that we do that. But I hope that like, I don't know. I hope if nothing else, this was like a reminder to you that like, it is like what you have is special and valuable and like, just like any little nuggets that you can give. I think that people will like, um, eat them up. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, Honestly, just talking with you, like it feels good because it's, you know, because I haven't been doing anything new or different or, and it just feels a little stale. Like it's good to have this energy and this passion. Like, you know, it's still there. Like I do still very much love what I do and there is so much room for creativity and growth. And thank you for that. Yeah, you do. Oh my gosh. Of course. It's like, I really do think sometimes the, the business aspect of anything can really just like stifle the creative energy behind it. Oh, and I am not a numbers or financial money person. Like I, and I'm also not like a long-term planner. I'm very much like living in the moment and like, what is, what is tomorrow? And what is, you know, maybe like as far away as next week, but I've never thought about like retirement or like what that will have to look like logistically. Yeah. (laughs) And and those are things like at night, I'm like, am I going to be working when I'm 85 years old? Yeah. And those are real things. Those are real things that like, just because you decided to be a small business owner doesn't mean that you don't like, need and deserve those things yeah totally totally Mm. well I've like I feel excited like I'm excited to just keep watching and like following your journey like I'm always always rooting for you thank you Kels and likewise Thank you for listening to this episode. I hope it was insightful for you and showed a little more of what it's like to do coaching with me. If you would like to do coaching, you can do a one-off session like Sarah did, although I'll warn you, many folks end up scheduling recurring sessions because that level of support just feels so good. Check out my website, hemlockcoachingservices.com. It's linked in the show notes. If you want to learn more about how coaching would work for you and to get on my calendar, have a great rest of your week. Thank you so much for listening to the Evergreen Thinking Podcast. To get further connected with me or take your exploration to the next level, visit the show notes at evergreenthinkingpod.com or find me on Instagram at evergreenthinkingpod.com.